intolerance to kohli the ipl 2019 lineup and more coming right up Hi and thanks for listening to Attention Please podcast. We are recording this on the 22nd of December 2018. This is episode 21. If the podcast was a person, he or she could have legally drank in any pub in India. And uh, I hope our host has a drink too because we've got a lot of interesting news that plays right down his alley. So welcome back Arnab. How's the cake shopping com- coming along? It's 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 going good as you know it's my birthday plus it's Christmas. uh and though i though i try i i'm at that age when i've outgrown cake or i would like to think that i have so i try to partake as less of it as possible um so thank you everyone for tuning back in it's it's been 21 episodes that's almost like half a year worth of episode no not half a year not uh, about i would say 60% of a year uh it, it seems like it it seems like we just began uh not 60% is 52 weeks what am i saying but it just seems like we began just like 2 weeks ago and it's already been 21 episodes so this has become an adult now i guess uh yeah. in in every sense of the term can get married as well for this week uh, i had planned to have a guest but unfortunately that fell through because i planned it i planned to have this as a ipl episode where we would discuss each of the ipl teams and uh, basically do some uh, g musti on ipl because it's it's difficult to take ipl seriously but it's it's difficult not to also not take it seriously because of the amount of money uh that exchanges hands uh some people say legally but definitely legally uh there a lot of money changes hands and uh, as as a fan of uh, uber capitalism i i cannot but marvel at at ipl and and honestly i was a skeptic when ipl started the fact that it has gone on for how many years now 12 years yeah uh, it's to be definitely belied the expectations of many people that it would even survive this long i'd kind of thought that it would what actually happened to icl would happen to it but it has managed to sustain itself pretty well and i think it's expanded and it's just much more professional now than it used to be both in terms of uh, it's less controversial of course that means there's less content for me to talk about and speculate on uh, during the lalit modi years it used to be you know 40% cricket and 60% other things but now it's kind of solidly uh, gone into the the zone of uh, pure cricket if if t20 can be called cricket and and that that's a topic for another day i think it is but um it, it's it's really i don't know but i don't know what the data behind this is but i think that one of the reasons why india is such a good one day team nowadays is because of ipl i think qualitatively our players are not just fitter i would say but they are able to score consistently at a far faster clip than they were in the mid 2000s uh so ipl started in 2007 i think around 2013 2014 it took like a generation i would say so for cricket i would say a five or six years is a generation before the effect of ipl started taking place of course this has led to some of some bad effects for instance i think that one of the bad effects of ipl in general and limited overs in especially for indian batsmen is that they have forgotten how to play spin as we've seen in this recent australia series they cannot tackle uh, nathan lyon who's who's at best uh, above average spinner 
is not a great by any definition of the word. And, and we seem to have consistent trouble. It's not just on these tests. We have not had, uh, even in India, Nathan Lyon has been a problem for us. And I just don't think that a previous generation, two or three generations before, uh, they would have any problem playing someone like Nathan Lyon. Nathan Lyon for a Ganguly, Nathan Lyon would have been milk, you know, you know, milk and cookies. It would have been no problem playing Nathan Lyon. But nowadays we seem to have basically almost lost. I mean, the first test was because of Nathan Lyon that it quote unquote went down to the wire to the Mume Gota uh, uh, stage. And the second test, of course, uh, the uh, the the testicles went firmly entrenched into our coach's mouth. But we'll discuss that later. The first thing that I wanted to discuss today uh, is, of course, uh, Nasiruddin Shah. And uh, first his, his flare-up against uh, our captain, Kohli, and then his flare-up against Modi. And it seems to be like normally you flare up against one or one. And they're very similar in many respects. They both they both seem to be very polarizing. They both seem to be angry. And uh, they both seem to have their trenchant fans as well as their trenchant critics. So it's, it's perhaps instructive that he went after both in, 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 in one week. Of course, he didn't mention Modi by name, but it was obvious what he was trying to say. So let's first, and, and, and again, the, the biggest tragedy of this Vikram is unfortunately that I think all of us can agree that Nasiruddin Shah is one of the greatest actors we have had in the Hindi movie industry. Uh, bar Absolutely. Absolutely. In terms of, and, and the fact is, nowadays he gets discussed not in terms of his work, but whenever he makes statements like this. This also happened to Om Puri uh, during, uh, in, in you know, the late Om Puri before he died for the last five or six years, his movies were never, you know, creating conversations. It was kind of his, his, his rant during the India against corruption, that speech or his, his, his autobiography, he was making news in the way that we expect the Raki Sawans of the day or the time moves of the day to make news. Not through their work, but through a press conference. And, and I think the biggest tragedy of this is is that that uh, that the relevance of Nasiruddin Shah, at least in this generation, is is mostly through what he said rather than what he did. And that is 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 a telling indictment. Perhaps it's an indictment of him too, I guess. But it's also an indictment of the Bombay film industry. Even though I I presume this has been a good year. Uh, for the for the Hindi film industry, because not perhaps not so much in a positive way, but in a negative way, because uh, race three flopped, thugs uh, of Hindustan flopped, and by what what I've seen, it's just been a day. It seems yeah. like zero is all the three Khans have uh, flopped. So all the three Khans have, and it's been time. Uh, I mean that that these three people, they all of them have gone into that Lal Badsha phase where. Uh, they have overstayed their welcome as leading heroes. So the only way they can survive now is to do is to step aside from the limelight and do they can do. I doubt whether Salman Khan can, but he can surprise us. But I, I think it's time that they considered doing uh, movies that that reflected their age and let other people take the limelight and not being obsessively in every minute of a movie. But again, that's a topic for another day. But coming back to uh, coming back to uh, Nasiruddin Shah. So the first uh, of his his first so the one thing that I have noticed is that in his all his uh, interviews he comes off as extremely bitter. 
I've uh, whatever I've read, you know, about his interviews I've seen on YouTube, it doesn't matter what he's bitter about something or the other. Now, this could be Nasiruddin Shah in general as a person, but I, in a way, I understand the bitterness that he might have towards the world in general, because I, I'm absolutely sure that that even though he's 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 of course you know financially, I'm guessing very well off. Uh, but he definitely is nowhere close to where he deserved to have been in terms of his talent. And uh, that is something which I personally, I mean, I also, <laughs> no, I'm not Nasruddin Shah, of course, but I also feel, I'll be honest about it, I also feel the sense of frustration when I see other people who shall remain nameless, uh, but that, that, that they get success and I don't. Um, and I'll be, and I'm always very honest about these things. These things matter. I mean, I, I in my dream life, I would have retired. I would not be working. I would have been a full-time novelist. And that's not happened. So I, I get the bitterness. So I'm not, I'm not totally uh, unaware or not sympathetic about how he feels. And I'm also kind of agree with what he said about Virat Kohli. But it's just that if the, what Nasiruddin Shah does not, and we'll come to the other, the intolerance part, later because that i think is a is a little more little bit more egregious but the virat kohli thing yeah he's right um in the sense that of course he's a great batsman but virat kohli the way he carries himself on the field it leaves a lot to be desired in terms of uh, the way we expect a captain to behave not just a captain i mean when he first came onto the scene he could be forgiven for being a young man who lets his emotion get the better of him but he's no spring chicken anymore. He's possibly at the high moon of his career at this point of time. And it's just an expected thing that people mature, that people change. And even Saurav Ganguly, who's, you know, he's the, the man who's famous for taking his shirt off in Lords. He, he later said that, you know, he said that multiple times that he regrets having done that. that there was no justification for doing that. And if he could, I mean, of course, all of his fans, we remember him by that. And we wouldn't want him to go back in time and undo it. But he said several times that he wished that he could have undo that. That was, that was a too much thing to do. That, that, that did not uh, dignify him in, in, in any shape or form doing that at Lord's. There was no reason to do, to do that. Unfortunately, Kohli, I don't think will have that epiphany ever. And uh, that possibly reflects a little bit, I, I think, where Nasiruddin Shah perhaps doesn't get it, I wish he did, was that cricket fundamentally has changed. And uh, one of the things we often get, uh, deal, uh, deal with, especially from uh, our uh, leftist commentators, is that cricket is, is a very patrician, very uh, Brahminical sport, right? That there is a very little representation of, of the unwashed masses, so on exactly. and so on. But that used to be true before. Now it's no longer the case. And what what really what really Nasiruddin Shah and many people perhaps find a little disquieting is the fact that cricket has been democratized. The people who are playing cricket today are not the kind of people who played cricket in the 2000s or in the late 1990s, by and large. Uh, we have, you know, Kohli is this Delhi uh, middle class aspirational guy who suddenly become very rich, right? And, and it, it shows uh, he carries his Delhi Delhi thing with him already. He's not been able to rise above it. I think he should because he's the captain. That's the reason why. If he was not the captain, if he had chosen not to be the captain, but there's something which is expected of the captain. And um, the thing is, he's and I think that the conflict with uh, with Anil Kumble was because of that. Because Anil Kumble represented uh, the generational values that I think uh, Nasruddin Shah is referring to. 
the thing is ravi shastri even though he was two generations before more was more kohli like in in every respect because mumbai cricket the kind of cricket that ravi shastri grew up on it was very aggressive and street smart and you know people swearing it was a, it's a different kind of culture that shastri comes from and that's why i think that kohli uh, kohli and shastri are like kindred spirits uh, because i think they understand they understand that thing about each other and i think what uh, what what uh, albert pindo or nasiruddin shah ko gussa kyu aata is for for people like me too who just i just don't understand virat kohli i just so for instance i don't know if you saw you know he okay. got his century right? bat, so what did he do when he got his century he took his bat and he started doing this like exactly i i'm letting my bat do the talking okay so first of all there is like, who is he saying that to nobody has ever i mean they might if he loses form but nobody has ever said that he does not a deserve a place in the team b he is not a good captain or three he is not the greatest batsman in the world so what is the context of i'm letting my bat do the talking what does that even mean and this comes to and i mentioned this before also that i've always found kohli to be this angry at someone it's not even clear who he is angry at because why should he be angry at anyone nasiruddin shah can understand who he is angry at he is angry at fate he is angry at the indian audience they understand who is angry at but kohli virat kohli what is he angry at he is rich beyond anybody's dreams he is married to one of one of right. one of the most sought after actresses in 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 in, in india he is a huge bright future he can, i mean what is bugging him i mean he has so many fans there's nobody's ever doubted his ability so far he, he has not reached the sachin tendulkar end stage but people want him to retire he's not reached there i understand dhoni in the last few years he kind of getting a little bitter he believes he wants to play the people who don't want him to play so i understand that happening to players at the end of their career where most people overstay their welcome but this has not happened to kohli at all i almost shudder to think what <laughs> what will happen when kohli will lose his form and when he will be hanging on what will happen then you start being a people at that point of time so if if this if it because if at the high noon of his career he's this angry he's this angry when he scores a century which should be the highest point you know he's scoring a century in australia on a tough pitch it is him at the height of his powers and yet the first emotion that comes to him is this anger at god knows who and this i find disquieting i i, I kind of remember one incident at least in the, in the i think it was previous ipl where uh, you know of course uh, he was not playing in the home ground he was playing in hyderabad and i think i've told you before that the crowd in hyderabad is generally uh, will come to this a little bit later but you had fair amount of uh, uh, bangalore supporters but even then unnecessarily i think he was riling up there was a uh, decision which went to the third umpire and he was unnecessarily just riling up the crowd saying you know what out here uh, which i found come on yaar i mean we are all here to see you you don't have to worry about uh, lack of support He, for some reason he was up at the crowd yeah he is here this i think i think a part of it and he said that before is that doing that he kind of he kind of motivates himself from the negative energy in a way so this is a, this is again for a captain this is a very negative way to play if you are if you are riling the crowd up and you are riling the crowd up ultimately it's an indian crowd you are riling up uh so he, again i i it's it's a very different kind of aggressiveness from the kind that ganguly had ganguly was aggressive but it was not this kind of aggressive he wanted he was strategically getting under the skin of his opponents he was not abusing he was not 
you know, making gestures at the at, at the pavilion. He was not trying to rile up anybody. So, he, and Ganguly was considered to be way more aggressive than anyone we'd ever had. Yeah, because yeah. It was quite disquieting in those days to see Ganguly, yeah, for keeping Shivo at the toss. You know, so so so. But those kinds of things were they were aggressive in the spirit of the game. They were things that you could do to show that you were not a pushover. That you were. I remember Imran Khan. I think it was Imran Khan who had said once that one of the things he told his his team was when they first when when he took over the captaincy in the 80s and he said uh, the team had gone to england and we were still the pakistani team were still so much under this this colonial upbringing that they almost felt scared of the british players so they were almost scared to appeal if the british guy sort of looked at them they would cower uh, they would be extremely conscious of the fact that they couldn't speak english that they couldn't dress. so they, they, these all of these things seemed to weigh down upon them when they took the field they almost felt themselves inferior and Imran said one of my main things was to tell them that no you are absolutely you are, you're going to look them in the eye you're not going to go and tie up their shoelaces because he, i think it was he said that they would like the british guy would stand and they would threat of the game but they would go and tie his shoelaces if the british guy wouldn't do it to the pakistani guy but the pakistani guy kind of felt through his colonial conditioning that you know he had to go and tie shoelaces he said no absolutely not you will do that he also told them uh, that if when you're going to these after game events he said many of them had never worn like trousers and they were visibly uncomfortable like kind of managing the trousers he said go and wear sherwanis i don't care but you should be comfortable in your skin when they see you they should see a confident person they shouldn't see someone who's not confident because that affects your game and he was absolutely right so ganguly was imran khan brought this perhaps 20 years back ganguly brought it that then but now we've gone beyond that we've gone this is not no longer that level of aggressiveness we're talking about again i don't want to belabor the point because there's a lot of other things to discuss so let's talk about the the the, the nasiruddin shah and uh, the once again intolerance So, for those of you who haven't been following the story, I think Nasiruddin Shah, in again one of his interviews, said that he is scared for his children. That you know, if uh, if somebody they he has brought them up without any religion, and if somebody asks them that you are Muslim, they wouldn't know what to answer. He is afraid for their safety. Right. So, first of all, Nasiruddin Shah is absolutely free to say whatever he feels. If he feels he is not secure in this country or whatever it is, perfectly. I mean, that it goes without saying that. <clears throat> and i also understand that you know if you if you're a, if you're an artist there is some kind of expectation that you just don't become a stool you you speak out your mind because many of us who work in offices and you know chota aadmi chota mota aadmi like us we often can't say what we feel because we're always afraid but people who are you know at that level they don't think don't really have a lot of things to fear that's not true actually but it is perceived so <clears throat> I'm perfectly fine with with him expressing his opinion, and even if I might not agree with it, that's fine. But the one thing that I find, and this has kind of been a persistent theme in my podcast, is of course the hypocrisy inherent in. So whenever somebody like Nasiruddin Shah speaks, everybody is like, "Why can't Nasiruddin Shah speak?" But whenever somebody like Gambir speaks, or because they don't agree with you know the quote unquote uh, liberals, and whenever I say liberals in this podcast, please imagine <laughs> yes. I'm doing air quotes. So, 
so 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 these liberals for instance will absolutely undermine like for instance when uh, when uh, sevak said something javed akhtar's reaction was to call him unpar so this is really this is so it's perfectly okay to attack person if you do not and that is the liberal that is unfortunately has become uh, that has become the liberal stance which is so very illiberal is that whenever a celebrity like the the so called nationalist nationalist celebrities like the gumbies and the sewags and the pogat sisters they are always they are all a whenever they speak they are kind of put in a tukon bolne and who are you talking but if it's nasiruddin shah it's fine because the problem isn't that that they feel that artists or you know players are not speaking it's just that they're not speaking the things they want them to say so whenever somebody else has a opinion a celebrity has an opinion which they don't agree with then they go and try to ascribe motives which by the way the right wing also is doing to to doing to nasiruddin shah whether he played the gulfam hasan in in sarfrosh isn't right. relevant at all yeah in 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 any in, in any shape or form to what his opinion is similarly it doesn't matter if gambhir was kicked out of the indian cricket team uh, that he's a failed cricketer it doesn't matter first of all he's a bigger success than the people who are calling him a failed cricketer but that's another thing but the, the thing remains is that is not relevant to him expressing his opinion he has every right to express his opinion and he's on one hand we hear that our cricketers uh, sachin tendulkar these people have never expressed an opinion because they they always they sit on the fence they don't want to you know get you know fall foul of anyone because they have business interests everywhere so uh, this is understandable but when you have somebody like gambhir who's you know going out on a limb and you have somebody like nasiruddin shah also who's going out on a limb then that's fine i mean i think that should be applauded on both sides that somebody is willing to stick out their neck and say what they feel now another thing that i want to point out at this point of time is the second trick that the liberals often do to delegitimize anybody whose speech they don't like is to say you are not the person who should be speaking on this so if you only people who are muslims or christians can speak about intolerance a hindu cannot speak on intolerance how can you speak about intolerance because you are the person who's doing intolerance right so you will obviously say there is no intolerance so shut up so that is one way that they will delegitimize whoever is talking they'll say that you don't have the right to speak because you are not the person who's suffering let the person who's suffering say now in this case let's apply the same logic to nasiruddin shah here's the thing nasiruddin shah has absolutely he is he is a muslim but he is also extremely rich and privileged and there is absolutely no chance in hell that his that his children will ever be under physical threat in this country there are of course there are muslims who are staying in places where they might if you are if you are if you are staying in uttar pradesh in certain places yes there some muslims could feel that there is an existential crisis just as there are places in india where hindus might feel in existential crisis but somehow hindu mein hai even if you say it you are automatically a bigot it doesn't matter if there is a context it doesn't matter this the liberals want to assume that hindus are safe everywhere which is not true at all and that muslims are unsafe everywhere that's not true at all if you go to garden reach in calcutta if you go to khidirpur you will realize that no there are places where muslims are not unsafe in any shape or form so this kind of generalization and everybody knows this it's not that they don't know they're not idiots but they use these kinds of really heavy handed hammers to basically silence people and they claim that the it cell attacks people in packs they attack people in packs too now on social media and 
with respect to Nasruddin Shah, then I can delegitimize him by saying he's a rich man. There is absolutely no chance that his children will ever be put into that hypothetical situation where people will surround and ask, which religion are you? That is absolutely hyperbole, what he's engaging. So he has no right to even say that. If if uh, if Aklak's nephew is saying that, I, I, I'll understand and I'll give him his right to speak. But I will not give uh, Nasruddin Shah the right to speak. And that is logical. I mean, if we follow, I, I personally don't believe in that at all. I think everybody has the right to speak. Um, everybody has the right to say what their opinion is. Um, I, as a Hindu, do get to get, do get, you cannot delegitimize me because of my religion as becoming, being a part of the majority, because I'm not actually also part of majority. I'm an OBC. So, you know, in a way I'm a majority in a way I'm not. And that's really, I'm, I'm male. So that makes me privileged in some respects. Everybody, all of us as individuals have some characteristics, which give us privilege and some characteristics, which take away from our privilege. And so we can never get into that level of analysis to say, hey, you get to speak and you don't get to speak because your privilege score is 60 and your privilege score is 32. Okay. So until and unless we come up with a metric like that, you cannot apply this logic. You should have, everybody has the right to say whatever they want. You cannot delegitimize their right to say something. So this is, this, this of course works for me. And before concluding about, yeah. Uh, I also saw that Sunil Shetty, one of my favorite actors, had kind of uh, <laughs> yes. opposed uh, Nasruddin Shah and said, "No, Kohli is the like greatest batsman or something." He said, and the moment the moment I saw that, I, I was reminded of the great movie Mohra, and we'll have that clip for those of you who haven't heard it. Yeah, it's one of the most important sequences of '90s cinema. So, for those of you who haven't seen Mohra, first of all, why are you haven't you seen Mohra? I don't know. Uh, you should see Mohra before you get, I mean, tomorrow you might get hit by a truck. And the last thing you want to do is to die without having seen Mohra. So in Mohra, Mohra is a very convoluted tale. Um, the only problem with Mohra was that I saw Mohra after Bhukam. And both Mohra and Bhukam had copied from the same English movie. So it was this basically the same story. So, but as a story, it's pretty good. If you hadn't seen where it's copied from. So Bhukam actually had the exact same twist. Except that Naveen Nishchal did the role that uh, Nasruddin Shah did. So I had seen Bhukam first. So then I had gone to see Mora, but it was fun. At the end, there was a, there's a bizarre sequence in which Nasruddin Shah has held uh, <laughs> Sunil Shetty hostage and is asking and is asking Akshay Kumar to take off his trousers. Now, I have not been able to, and this is like the climax of the movie, he's going to get away with it. So he's like the helicopter or something is waiting or something is good. But rather than making his getaway, he wants to see Akshay Kumar take off his trousers. Now, this, this angle on Nasruddin Shah was not established throughout the movie in any shape or form. He was seen to be obsessed with Ravina Tandon, but <laughs> apparently that was another twist, I guess. But, but I remember, uh, but actually, the, if you look at the scene, even though it's Akshay Kumar who is slapping himself and then taking off his trousers, and even though it's Nasruddin Shah who's saying, Patloon Utaro, Patloon Utaro, the actual guy who takes the scene away is Sunil Shetty. Because Sunil Shetty just keeps on nice. saying one thing, nine, nine, throughout, throughout. Okay. 
and that the way he says it i mean it it just burned itself into my mind like i remember i used to go into the exam hall for my semesters and i would see some question which i hadn't prepared for and the first thing that would go through my mind was sunil shetty <laughs> shouting nahi nahi like that <laughs> I, i still i still can hear that night so so the moment i saw sunil shetty on the opposite side of nasiruddin shah that scene came to my mind and for our whatsapp song for our uh, what song oh yes that is the hint but before we move on to what song a quick word from our sponsors we'll be right back we've not had a what song for a couple of weeks now so here's the what song for uh, this week if you know what the song is tweet in to us and uh, you can also write in of course to ap podcast at talkingstuff.net and let's move on i'm very excited about the feature story today yeah so today's feature story is going to be ipl so for before so one of the feedback that i get from from this podcast is arnab i don't hear your podcast when you talk about cricket so for those of you who don't like cricket i'm sorry the rest of the podcast is going to be about cricket but i would also like to tell you that ipl ipl is not about cricket I said even in the first half we had a fair dose of cricket, so it, it's been quite a bit of, uh, of cricket. There's been quite a bit of cricket. So, but with Kohli, it's not so much cricket, more about social commentary. Cricket as an avenue for social commentary, which is a little bit different. I don't think people have a problem with that. They have a problem with like deep analysis of uh, of where Michelle Stark is bowling. So IPL, I found IPL to be fascinating, even more than the tournament. I find it fascinating as a team building exercise. The whole notion of options and the way teams are built, where everybody has a purse, and the way people bid, and some of the can like you would you can see like a team like the artist formerly known as Delhi Daredevils that every time they they get it wrong, somehow they get it wrong, and th- this. tells me a lot not just about cricket but about organizations i mean these are teams which all started at the same time uh, they started off all with a blank slate in 2007 and yet over 12 years we have seen distinct characteristics emerge from each of these franchises and each of these franchises almost has a character like a human being and it's been fairly consistent even though their teams have changed they've they, you can always there's almost a team character just like organizations have characters and more than the cricketing aspect i think this is what i find fascinating that some franchises just find it impossible to win even with you know if you look at it on paper they have pretty good teams they've consistently had very good teams like delhi but yet they're unable to come anywhere close to winning and yet there are teams like chennai right. for instance last year if you had looked through their team you would have said this team looks okay but it was it's okay for a tournament which was might have been taking place in 2012 it is not a good team for 2018 because most of the players were over the hill they were like shane watson retired like dhoni almost retired like there were people there who were all of them even the even like even rana and all they're all in the end stages of their career there was virtually nobody there who was new or who you could say was going to be an indian star let's say 5 years down the line and you would almost were scared that they would not be able to stand up at the end of the tournament where they were even going to make it through all of these people and yet they did they won the championship they found it fairly convincingly too so 
there's something about Chennai Super Kings, which is again, it, it, it's a very, very successful franchise. Um, even you know they they were they were gone for three years, but even then they came back. They they were just like that. They they were they were on song straight away. And there's Calcutta again was an example of a franchise which started off disastrously. So it got everything wrong, and then it changed. It's not that things can't change. Calcutta made a remarkable change, and again the 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 USP of Calcutta is that it creates these teams which on the shape on the face of it look really crappy and as a fan every time i get frustrated by calcutta but again given the kind of teams they choose they actually do fairly well they, they if you just look at them on paper they have no business doing this well they won they won the championship twice they went to the final once they've fairly been in the top 4 all pretty much for the last mm. few years consistently been in the top 4 and yet their team doesn't look like it should be in the top four, but they somehow managed to do it. And their teams like Delhi and Bangalore, Bangalore which you feel should be like smashing it, but they can't do it. They just, they just, they just stumble. So this, I, I can't put, I can't put a finger on it. It's not a question of coach. Again, the owners like Shah Rukh Khan, they don't really matter. But what is it in terms of the organizational cultures that, that, that kind of ground them? So I think even this year, I mean, we have, I think Delhi has, we'll be, we'll be going over the teams uh, one by one, but I think Delhi has an absolutely fantastic team, absolutely fantastic team, possibly the best, most balanced team of all. But I'm, unfortunately, if, if I was going to rank them in order of who do I think is likely to win, it would possibly be second from last. Because Delhi being Delhi. <laughs> um, and, and, that's, and that's fairly amazing. So Vikram, why don't you tell me about about uh, you know you you're from Hyderabad so your your old franchise Deccan Chargers and your their the, the, the SRH. new team SRH tell me about them how does Hyderabad feel about well uh, the strange thing is I mean I've been to Deccan Chargers match I think once and I've been to a couple of uh, SRH matches but surprisingly when you go to a match here versus I mean I've not been to a CSK match in Chennai that's a sea of yellow similarly even when you go when you when you see a match of kkr it's it's a purple uh, sea purple and gold or whatever the color is in hyderabad i don't see that kind of a, a following towards the team uh, if, for example if kohli is playing you're going to have a lot of people cheering for kohli if if it's a csk match trust me it gets sold out faster than anything else because everyone wants to see dhoni i want i missed out uh, on on the Dhoni match, for example, because my daughter had chicken pox last year. <laughs> and uh, it was, you can, you can see almost half or sometimes even more than half of the audience uh, of the stadium is uh, for the opposing team. And I just can't, maybe it's because we have a lot of people coming in, you know, especially in the IT sector, people coming in from various cities. So that could explain, uh, which just makes me, I'm just trying to remember how the stadium in Bangalore looks like. I do you see a lot of red or is it or is it even if it looks red it's probably because of Kohli rather than Bangalore team as such I think it's driven more by people. right so I think it's driven by people Calcutta again I you're right Calcutta it's different in Calcutta I would say Shah Rukh Khan is a big draw for Calcutta overall in terms of supporters but Somehow, I think Calcutta, even in, even in its worst time, I think the Calcutta crowd has always been uh, very passionate about their franchise. So it mattered whether even when we were losing, it, we were still abusing the 
franchise, but people special. I think in Calcutta is a special case, perhaps because we have had a long tradition of city clubs like Mohan Bagan and East Bengal. Okay, when the IPL started, uh, we were talking about you know you you never anticipated that it would uh, last this long or become this big. Keeping the IPL aside, did you ever think that you'd be so in, uh, invested and the IPL auction itself would become such a massive tele- televised event? No, I didn't. I mean, I just felt that the whole concept. I I had grown up on a staple of cricket being played between nations. Um, and I've never been a part of the football scene, so I've never kind of been, and I was not a Mohan Bagan East Bengal guy at all. My family wasn't, so I've never even thought that clubs could even be a unit of attachment for a human being. I, I and especially something which was so artificial. I mean, when you have a club like Manchester United, Liverpool, they have histories. They have histories which go for decades, and so I can understand why they have a character. They have, and again, you know, Liverpool with with, with the working class. There is, there is, there is, there's a historic link between the clubs and their catchment areas. But over here, when these clubs were being made, they had absolutely nothing to do with the local cities. The players were not from 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 the from the local cities. You know, Shahrukh Khan wasn't. You know, had nothing to do with Calcutta, for instance. If it was the Sahara Group, then I would have understood. At least it was a local, um, it was a local business house. But there was, I personally didn't think that it would again go to this level. It would. It would still be such a, and it's not just IPL in India. Now everybody has their own IPL. Right. Um, every country has their own IPL. So franchise cricket has become big, not just in India, but all across the world. Every country, including Afghanistan, has their own uh, T20 league. True. I mean, I was specifically talking more about the auction itself. The Because the auction now has become a televised event. And I was watching it on Hotstar and there were, uh, I think... Uh, Close to 2 lakhs or 3 lakh viewers. Uh, it shows you the number of people watching it con- uh, concurrently. And that blew my mind. Right. So, that, you know, there are so, many- so I think that is a very vital part of clubs. So, uh, you know, even over here, the NFL draft and stuff, they they're hugely, hugely followed events. So, you know, when you're invested in clubs, I think this is very important. I don't think that everybody is looking at it, at it from an academic viewpoint the way I like to see it. But they're just looking at it because everybody wants their favorite club to win and they want their favorite players to go to their favorite clubs. Everybody wanted their club to get Hetmeyer, for instance, this this time. Even though some, most clubs didn't need it. Uh, and and uh, so, for instance, Chennai Super Kings didn't even bid for it because they, they, that Hetmeyer isn't in their scheme of things. Um so yeah, you, you're right, and there's a lot of drama in these in these in these auctions. Perhaps there's not so much drama now as it used to be, like when Shah Rukh Khan and Preeti Zinta used to come there. Um, you know that that famous incident of uh, of Mushraf uh, Mushraf e Murtaza, you know, getting you know paid six hundred six six seventy five thousand dollars was essentially an ego battle which just started there between Shah Rukh Khan and Preeti Zinta there itself, and I think that's one of the reasons why they don't come to the auctions nowadays. The auctions are full of like uh, quant people who are who are supposed to be uh, you know emotionally not invested in in anything who are just supposed to be there to take business and strategic decisions so it's changed i mean when the first time the ipl auction started there was much more in terms of the 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 franchise owners and now it's kind of moved especially kkr has done that a lot they have you know, shahrukh khan is not associated at all with the with the with with the auction anymore I and mean, before that he was a huge draw just to see what Shahrukh Khan is doing. I mean, I'm pretty sure about right. 50, 30 percent of people just who would tune in to catch a glimpse of Shahrukh Khan. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 
I understand it and I think this is this is very encouraging for IPL as a concept that people not just are watching the games they're watching the auctions so it seems that people are really really incentivized not just by the fate of individual games but by the directions that their own you know the franchises they support are taking so people are not just thinking about you know this match or that match they're thinking about how will my franchise be two years, three years from now? Are we are we investing in the best talent that we have so that you know five years later, or are we kind of keeping an old team and we will face a crisis three years down the line? Which is, which gives me a perfect segue to get into Chennai Super Kings, which is, <laughs> which, is which is exactly where it seems to be headed. I, and again, I, whenever I say something about Chennai Super Kings, it always needs to be a disclaimer that they know better. But uh, but it seems that they have they have taken a path of uh, of immediate returns that they're not really looking to the future that at some point of time uh, they are going to just turn over the leaf and get rid of everyone but I don't know where they're going to pull uh, all the talent that year I mean they might let everyone go at some point of time but all the other players have been taken so I don't know where where they're going and this 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 auction they didn't have a lot of money. And uh, whatever money they had, they spent it on Mohit Sharma. So again, Mohit Sharma is an Mohit Sharma is an old Chennai Super King alum, and he's also very old. So uh, <laughs> they had Ashish Nehra before, who they replaced now with Mohit Sharma. So their base. So the thing about Chennai Super Kings is that, and sometimes it's fairly obvious that this is a team made up of you know old people, but sometimes what people sometimes forget is that. Even though T20 is a young man's game, in terms of the fitness levels that are needed, and you know the ultimately you know hitting sixes continuously is as much a matter of reflex and physical fitness as it is on anything else. So it's just that fraction of a second, the reaction time that you have. If you saw the way Sehwag's game suddenly became terrible, was because you just lost that little bit of just that little tiny minute of fraction of a second that he used to get with age and that just made his game go to hell it was just a, it's a very smart fine line um, between the genius that he was and what he suddenly quickly became with his spectacles and everything he just he just lost it um with with of course with with chennai super kings when i look through the team it looks of course fairly balanced but again it looks a great team for 2012 it doesn't look like a good team for 2019 at all because if you look at the first of all, if you look at the foreign players, uh, Shane Watson is going to play, and even though Shane Watson has been very, fairly decent form nowadays, he, he's 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 pretty old, and he doesn't he will not be bowling. I don't think he'll be bowling. I, I mean, he's got pretty severe problems with bowling. I think even in this BBL, he's not bowling. He's just playing as a batsman. Um, Kedar Jadav again is somebody who's very very dicey in terms of his fitness. He's almost like the Angelo Matthews of India. Um, their fate totally depends, I think, on the form of Dhoni and on Ambati Raidu in terms of, and of course, Suresh Raina. But I don't know how much Suresh Raina also has left in the tank on how much his motivation also is to play. Now that I guess Suresh Raina is not going to be part of the World Cup, he's not definitely not going to be around for the next World Cup. So I just wonder for people like Suresh Raina how much motivation they're going to have. Because ultimately, I think that was something which... Uh, which Gautam Gambhir is one of his interviews said that the main problem is for him, he knows his career is ended. So why play the IPL? There's no motivation for him. It's not the money for him. It's the fact that the IPL gives him an opportunity to be on the stage, which leads to something else. If there is no something else, he just doesn't feel the need to play. So he's been honest enough to say, and many people might want to play for the money. 
which is considerable. But I just wonder if just that edge kind of gets blunted when you know that there is no next step after this. How do you explain them picking up Harbhajan last year? That's something which was in- inexplicable for me. Again, that's why I'm coming to that. So I think Dhoni's, I think Dhoni fo- follows this philosophy. He has a very, la- so one of the things that, sir, you know, Dhoni's, genius of Dhoni is that he's thought of cricket in a way which is not very conventional. So if you look at the way he chases down targets, it's a very non-conventional way of doing things. It's a very controversial way of doing things, but he's managed to do it for many years with fairly decent amount of success. Now, even with this, I think I, I think I know what Dhoni's what's going through Dhoni's mind. So here's the thing: Dhoni thinks that yes, youth is fine, but he prefers his personal style is he prefers working with people who are experienced. So he, for him. T20, and this is a this is a very valid point about T20, is that yes, it is a young man's game. Yes, it is a reaction-based game. Yes, it is a fitness game. But it is also how you are able to hold your nerve. And he wants to play with a group of people who have been there so many times that needle situations don't bother them. They So consider, for instance, the kind of people he likes to play with. So Think of Suresh Raina, think of Harbhajan Singh. When he, when Harbhajan Singh nowadays play, or when, what does he play for? Okay, he also knows that he has no future. And he's never going to come back into the Indian cricket team. So he's basically playing for money. That's the most he's playing for. So things don't matter to him that much. So even if he gets out, even if he gets hit for a six, so what? There's always going to be the next game or there's not going to be any next game and I'll retire, I have enough money for three generations. So everybody in this team pretty much is like that. Dwayne Bravo, what does he play for? Money, nothing else. Dhoni is absolutely perfectly comfortable with these guys because these guys play the game as they are coming to work. They they are given specific tasks. They discharge those tasks. They go home. They don't let emotion be part of it. They are not worried about failure. Like what will happen? He's his main problems, and he used to keep talking last time about the Shardul Thakurs and the Deepak Chahars of the world. Those are his problem points, the young guys, because I think he got frustrated and once said that what can you do if the bowlers don't bowl to their plan? So the reason why he wants people like Mohit Sharma is precisely for that reason, because he knows that Mohit Sharma might be a limited abilities, his pace might be at 120, but he'll actually follow what he's telling him to do. He's not going to get nervous. The Shardul Thakur said Deepak Chahars, they want to play for India. So if Dhoni tells them to bowl a negative line, not to like bowl that they're fastest, they're not going to obey him. At one point of time, they will want to see the stumps fly because ultimately they want to get ahead. And Dhoni just hates people like that. You know, I'm telling you to do something, just do it and then go home. If it doesn't work, it's my responsibility. You just do what I'm telling you to do. And I think he's loaded the team with people he's comfortable with, who he knows will do what he asks him to do. And that's why Harbhajan Singh is there. And that's why he again brought in Mohit Sharma. So he's bringing in, he always wants to bring in, Mohit Sharma came at quite a high price for basically what he's worth. And Chennai is not stupid. Uh, the, for all the franchises, Chennai and SRH are the ones that are least stupid. They've taken the least stupid decisions in their life. So there's a reason why he bought Mohit Sharma because he wanted Mohit Sharma and nobody else. Because he, he doesn't trust anybody else. Which which uh, moves me to the next team, which is again a favorite team of mine called Delhi Capitals. So, uh, did Vikram, did you see the press conference where the where the new owner? I don't know. If, I've never seen this guy before, but he was justifying why they changed the name from Del Del Devils to 
yes <laughs> some jindal right yeah so he he was of course so the, of course the, the reason is fairly obvious i don't know why he didn't say it i hope he was aware that you know washington <laughs> capitals in the us it's the capital right so they have washington capitals so delhi they just copied the name and made delhi okay, capitals I think that the reason why they made Delhi capitals was because Delhi is like BC, BC and MC. So everybody in Delhi <laughs> goes BC MC. Now they have DC also in it. So it becomes part of DC. the Delhi culture. So DC is also Delhi culture. Lingo. So so Delhi DC is that is why it's called DC Delhi capitals. But it's a but the the thing is that changing names won't. I don't think it will really change the. fundamental effed up nature about their franchise and i think that 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 disastrous uh, press conference kind of gave off that vibe that even though dead devils are now called capitals they're still the same people because i think at the end he said uh, diversity after the camera was away from him you just heard his voice say diversity <laughs> so uh, again the delhi daredevils the delhi capitals i keep on saying delhi daredevils they the delhi capitals just they look amazing if you look at their if you look at their site if you look at this they always did yeah Answered. so they have uh, you know for opening they have uh, prithvi shaw and shikhar dhawan so one of the smart things they did was again delhi suffered last time from the lack of an experienced captain so shreya shayar was not a great captain i mean they they did make a turn around under him because you know gambhir was was not going anywhere he was just too obsessed about the fact that he couldn't he wasn't being able to bat but you can't and this kind of dovetails into what i was talking about chennai super kings if you want to win tournaments you just can't win with young people who are that young like shreyash ayer and rishabh pant i mean these guys are they are not going to operate optimally they are either going to be reckless or they are going to freeze like deer in the headlight so they have so much to lose that that ipl is that they need some people there who don't have that much to lose who have kind of established themselves who's again shikhar dhawan is not at the end of his career that's that's also true and shikhar dhawan is also someone who's trying to make this as a way of showing and he's lost his place in the side that he he deserves his place in the side but shikhar dhawan has been brought in i'm guessing to be the captain so in order to get shikhar dhawan they basically gave three of their players away Uh, so this was very important to them, and they have Shikhar Dhawan. So now that they have Shikhar Dhawan, and Shikhar Dhawan is fairly good in IPL, and the reason why Shikhar Dhawan is even better for Delhi Capitals is because he will bring a certain mature maturity to their team, which they otherwise are lacking with the Shreya Shayers and the Rishabh Pants of the world. So he's an opening batsman. He'll be there, kind of be a sheet anchor, and he's the perfect guy to let these guys, you know, basically go for leather. So you have Prithvi Shaw opening with Shikhar Dhawan. which is a great combination um and then you have either colin munro or colin ingram coming in one down and then you have shreya shair and rishav pant which is a very very solid indian middle order and then at the bottom you come up with aksar patel who they have as an all rounder and they have chris morris and since they've bought sharmin rutherford i think he will get a game the only thing is you know they have the, the another good thing they did this time again they have made a surprising number of positions which but again this is delhi so i think that getting ishan sharma at this point of time is fairly good even though he has been pathetic in ipl i think he's kind of having a second resurgence in his career so his confidence is at a high and he's in that perfect place where he's he's also <clears throat> been there done that 
but there's also some things for him to show. So I think Ishan Sharma um, gets that mature, gets, gets that central Indian bowler who will play every match. And I think they have a fairly, fairly good, uh, you know, core group of Indian players. Now, the one of the secrets of succeeding in IPL, as we have seen, is, you know, having a, a core team which stays constant between tournaments. Now, Chennai has been the master of that. They haven't changed their team, the core of their team for 12 years almost. Delhi has changed it too many times, I felt. That they have always assembled a decent team, but it's always been different from what it has been last year. But I think now for two or three years, Delhi is kind of looking a little stable. I think Delhi has realized that they need that stability. So I think this might be the year, again, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, this might be the year which they might do it because they do have the team to do it. And I don't think they'll also be... So they did, again, two things which I forgot. I mean, this IPL is more complicated because we don't know where the IPL is going to take place. It's unlikely going to be entirely in India because of election. Yes. Uh, I, th- I think it's going to be in uh, the middle, in uh, Abu Dhabi and Dubai. I've heard two things. I've heard South Africa also being talked about. I've also talk, heard about uh, Dubai being talked about. So, I don't know. I, I prefer they not do it in Dubai and all these places because of, because of... Uh, you know, because of the other stuff that happens there outside the field. Right. Um, I would prefer that it take, that take place in South Africa. But uh, and there are two things that make it complex. First of all, you know, having it's not going to be, if it's in South Africa, it would require a very different kind of team. And the second thing is that Australia and English players are not going to be made available. So their board is basically pulling them back to conserve them for the World Cup. So... Uh, one of the things is one of the good things about Delhi is they're not going to be too much affected by that. They're one of the teams who are going to be least affected by, and that's even saying that Indians, the Indian team, might be resting some of the seam bowlers. So uh, that, so for instance, Mumbai might be affected by that. Hyderabad might be affected because they have Indian bowlers, so they're going to be affected by that. But Delhi again, I think none of these guys are going to be gone. So everybody over here will be playing for the entirety of the tournament, which is very, very good for them. Now, again, uh, ne- next thing that I want to talk about is, of course, Kings Eleven Punjab. So Kings Eleven Punjab is, again, this team which doesn't, which, which has not been able to figure itself out. I don't think it, I think if all the teams, it is possibly the least number of fans might be wrong. And for, I think it's been unable to, uh, you know, create a brand identity. And this time also, they made this bizarre decision on Varun Chakravarti. So, so are you aware of Varun Chakravarti is? Never heard of him before. So this Varun Chakravarti is this, is this, so every time there is, there is this exceptional Indian talent which comes up. Now, most of these Indian talents, nothing much happens to them, but they spark a bidding war and they make a lot of money. So there was a guy called Kishore Karyappa a few years ago who sparked a bidding war. He had been playing in this uh, Karnataka, this Karnataka Premier League or something, and he yeah, apparently okay. had these. He had said some, some like he, he's a mystery spinner. So this guy is also a mystery spinner. Now, what happened for this guy was he got bought for eight point four crores. Okay, so Kings Eleven Punjab and KKR got into this bidding war, in which uh, basically this guy played for the Tamil Nadu Premier League, and since Kings Eleven Punjab's captain is Ashwin. And uh, KKR's captain is Karthik. They both wanted this guy desperate. Now, rule number one of an auction, which I've heard from Joy, is that you don't, you never go in 
thinking that I will get this player. If you go and do that, you're going to overspend. You always think of roles. I'm going to spend some amount of money for an Indian off-spinner. This is the way you go. And you don't say, I want Varun Chakravarti. Because if you say that, and people realize you do, then something like this is going to happen. So Kings XI Punjab had a huge purse. So they could afford 8.3 crores for Varun Chakravarti. Now, this is the place where Calcutta Knight Riders dodged a huge bullet. Because if Kings XI Punjab hadn't brought Varun Chakravarti, Calcutta would have had to buy him at 8.3 crores. And Calcutta would basically would struggle to put together a team of 11 because they just wouldn't have money to buy anybody else. So, and again, Calcutta doesn't need Varun Chakravarti. Honestly, they don't need, Varun Chakravarti is not a problem. They don't need a mystery spinner. They have the best spinning side in the tournament. They don't need another spinner. They have other problems, bigger problems. So again, this was again, Calcutta was saved by Kings Eleven Punjab. Calcutta has done this twice. I don't know if you remember, but they did this once to Yuvraj and Bangalore. So they basically burst Bangalore's purse buying Yuvraj. So, by the way, Calcutta is the only franchise for which Yuvraj has never played. Though they bid for Yuvraj once and they totally screwed Bangalore in, that, in, the, in the process. So, I think this Calcutta did this this time to Kings XI Punjab. And I think Shahrukh Khan got his way back against Preeti Zinta for, uh, for Mushrafi Murtaza in the second auction. So this Varun Chakravarti is again that's something which doesn't make sense. I don't know how, why they would want an India at 8.3 crores when they already have Ashwin and Mujib, Mujibur Rahman, which, which both of them are like bound to play. So you're going to play in Mohali three spinners. It doesn't make any sense. And then they also took M Ashwin, who's another spinner. So they've, they have selected a number of spinners for a tournament that, for Mohali, which doesn't spin. And for South Africa, where of course it doesn't spin either. Now, the problem with people like Varun Chakravarti is that if you remember what happened to Kishore Kariyappa, so Kishore Kariyappa was this untested guy who had been very devastating in the Karnataka Premier League, but it's a huge jump from Karnataka Premier League to IPL. And it's not just, again, this was what I was talking about, it's not just a matter of ability, it's the ability to hold your nerve. So I remember what KKR did to this guy, uh, Kishore Kariyappa. They spent it's an obscene amount of money for Kishore Kariyappa. He played one game. He comes into bowl when A.B. De Villiers is in, when batting. Can you imagine? This guy who's the last, the only tournament he's ever played is Karnataka Premier League. And then he comes to bowl to A.B. De Villiers at his very best. So A.B. De Villiers talks him. Then this guy totally loses his conf- confidence. He drops a sitter catch. And that's the last time he ever played for Calcutta. I think he played just one game. So, and then Calcutta got rid of him the next, uh, they got rid of him. And this is, is terrible for the player. So what possibility this player might have had is sure he won eight, but by the way, this 8.3 crores that they get, they don't get it all together. This is a, it's broken per match. So if they're let go, then they possibly get something, but they don't get there. So it's just because he's got 8.3 crores doesn't mean that he's actually going to get 8.3 crores. If he has a pretty pathetic season and Kings 11 Punjab lets him go, I, I don't think he gets 8.3 crores at all. So again, so Punjab, Punjab again, last time they did very well as long as Gale, Rahul and Chris Gale were going hammer and tongs. So that's another thing about IPL is that in a T20 tournament, you don't need your full team to perform. If you have two or three players who are playing the form of their life, you even normally you can get by. Now you often can't win 
because there will be days in which those two or three players have a bad day and then you're screwed. This is what happened to Kings 11 Punjab. So Kings 11 Punjab is totally, you get, they've done a big rejig of their team. But honestly, I don't feel that they have, I mean, they have, of course, KL Rahul, who is a different bag of, he's a, he's a, he's a different kettle of fish in IPL than from, you know, batting in Australia against Pat Cummins. But you know, even though the team looks okay, I still think that this is possibly one of the weaker teams. I mean, they have Sam Curran. But the problem with IPL is... Chris Gale. Have Chris, Chris Gale is gone. I mean, it's Chris Gale, I don't think. I mean, again, he, he might surprise us. Even last time we said he's not Chris Gale. They have Kale Rahul, they have Mayanka Gawal, they have Karun Nair. You know, they, they got Nicholas Puran. Nicholas Puran is a, is a, is a good catch, I would say. Um, I hope they can keep him. But the problem that they're going to face again is... And there's they got a bowler who I actually like a lot, who's called Hardas Villagin. So this hardest religion, I saw him bowl in this T10 tournament that happens in UAE. And there people in 10 overs scored like 120 runs okay, regularly. So this hardest religion, even in those conditions and in, in like those dead pitches, this guy was fast. He was quite fast and difficult to score. Up. I mean, he still went for 8-9 runs, but when everybody else is going for 14 and 20 runs, he was going for 8 or 9 runs which was fairly creditable. So I think this was a very good buy. I wish Calcutta Knight Riders had bought Harder's Villagin because I think he's the kind of person who would be very, very handy in South Africa. He's very fast and he kind of is that, is that famous hits the deck kind of bowler. He's not a swing bowler. He just bangs the ball into the ground. I don't like the look of the Kings Eleven Punjab team. Uh, which brings me to Kolkata Knight Riders, my fa- my favorite franchise. Um, I think Calcutta Knight Riders did fairly well in this in this auction. That they they understood they were they dodged a bullet with that uh, Varun Chakravarti, but they basically had two things right. that they needed to take care of. First, they needed to have a f- foreign fast bowler. Okay, so they needed somebody because last last time they really suffered because of that. And this time they have uh, Loki Ferguson is fairly fast and he's in good form. Um, if the tournament is held in uh, South Africa, he'll be quite handful. They got this guy called Andrik Nodje. So Andrik Nodje is the problem with KK is that I don't know if they know, but this guy has suffered a serious injury in November. So he's a South African bowler, fairly fast. He was, he was bought for cheap for 20 lakhs. He's okay. I think Harry Gurney is a left-handed seam bowler. So they've covered all their bases in terms of the things that they didn't have last time. One of their main players, Chris Lynn, is not going to be available for most of the tournament. So they needed somebody who was who need a backup for Chris Lynn. And there's a guy called Joe Denley, who they have got this time, who's a fairly good, fairly good replacement for Chris Lynn. And it's also another advantage is that Joe Denley also bowls leg spin. So he's actually a fairly good, I would say, I mean, obviously you would have liked to have somebody who's as bigger a star, like admire somebody, but obviously we didn't have the budget. So we got Joe Denley. I think Joe Denley, at least on paper, is is a fairly good selection. I mean, the first 11 looks fairly good for KKR. Um, the problem is that they have very, that they, their basic philosophy is they don't like redundancy. So if two or two, three of their players get injured, they have, they reach the stage where they can't the field. Shahrukh Khan would have to come out and field at that point. But that is again something that they have gone with. But I like the look of this team. I do not support them buying, paying five five crores for Carlos Braithwaite. Um, I have no idea why they did that. Carlos Braithwaite isn't a bad player, but he's not that great a player either. 
Uh, he's not been a success in IPL and he was definitely not not worth five crores. Um, I know th- what worries me more than anything else was that they were desperate to uh, take Carlos Braithwaite, which means there is something wrong with Andre Russell. That is what I'm really worried about. So I'm not so much worried about Carlos Braithwaite. He's, in a, he's not very effective, but why did they spend five crores on Carlos Braithwaite, which means there's something wrong with Andre Russell. And that is the bigger problem. Okay. So, so moving on, Mumbai Indians. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I looked through the team. I thought I would see Hillary Clinton somewhere here also batting. <laughs> but since they bought virtually everyone, <laughs> Hillary Clinton, Beyonce as Beyonce as the manager. Yuvraj and Malinga was the. I didn't understand the Yuvraj and so Malinga purchases. With. I, I realistically don't think I don't think any, either of them are going to play if you look at their team. Now there is there's one problem with Mumbai Indians is that because they have been very successful, if the Indian team management decides to um, prevent some of their high impact players from playing IPL, which I don't think is going to happen at all, but they might do it for their seam bowlers. They might lose Jasprit Bumrah. And if they lose Jasprit Bumrah, the problem is they have a problem with experienced bowlers. There are not a lot of experienced bowlers. And so that's, so they might, Lalit, Lasit Malinga is obviously not in a state to play the entire tournament. But if Jasprit Bumrah has to be not played because of India duties, then Lasit Malinga might get to play. Otherwise, I don't think Lasit Malinga is going to play. He's going to be mostly like a coach. Now, you have to understand one thing about the psychology that goes in here. If you remember, one of the things about Saurav Ganguly, you know, the thing that caused so much heartbreak in Bengal was that Saurav Ganguly was not being taken by any of the franchises, right? And he was desperate, so ultimately he went to Pune. So you would ask, why was such, why was Saurav Ganguly so desperate? I mean, did he need the money that much? No, of course. And by the way, KKR told him that we will hire you as a manager or mentor or whatever. So they were willing to pay him money. Okay, so it was not a question of money. Yes. If it was this, they would have just given it to him to, for him to show up at Eden Gardens. That would get the people. But no, Saurav Ganguly wanted to play. This is, you know, ultimately every, these people like Yuvraj and you know, Lasit Malinga, there's, there's a pride. It's not just a question of money, right? They're still playing. And for them to play and not be selected, it's a huge loss of face for these people. I can do that. And so by doing this, what Mumbai Indians is doing, I mean, again, Mumbai Indians is a team which I think already has a fairly good team. Secondly, is that they don't give a damn for money. So by doing this, they kind of respect these people in a way. I mean, they're not paying a lot of money for it, but you know, sure, it's, it's good for Yuvraj's ego. Maybe he's not going to play any game or he play, might play one game, but you know, just to be there. And they've already said, you know, the reason why we have Yuvraj is for him to be a mentor. So when the moment when they start saying these things, it means he's not going to play. Okay, so he's, but he's still not, Yuvraj doesn't still consider himself to be a coach or you know, sitting there on the sidelines because he's not retired. So how do you get that guy involved? How you don't feel, make that guy feel as if he's been insulted. So just throw one crowd at him and everybody's satisfied. And he wears the jerseys and he sits there. And when he comes in, like people clap, they shout UV, UV. That's it. That's all that the Ambani's want. He served his purpose. So I think again, I think they have a great, great side. I'm not so sure about Evan Lewis's form. I've been watching him and he just seems to have lost it. So, but but they were smart enough to get Quentin DeCock. So they don't need to bat Evan Lewis. They can get Quentin DeCock. And they have a whole load of openers. So I don't think Evan Lewis will be regular in their team. I think Quentin DeCock is going to open with Surya Kumar Yadav. 
um ishan kishan is going to come one drop rohit sharma is going to come after that then you will have the two pandya brothers and then one of the all rounders will either be iron pollard who they obviously love and then they have you know the star of last time mayank makarande they have bumra so in they they're fairly well covered i would say rajasthan royals is again a team which again did they they steven smith is going to be back but uh, i'm absolutely sure that his attention will not be on the ipl this time in any shape or form he's he he's as going to be as far away his mind is going to be as far away from ipl as possible because first of all he'll have to go back to australia he's their captain for crying out loud and he hasn't been part of the game he has a cloud hanging over him i think he'll be doubly doubly bending backwards so that people in australia don't think that he is sacrificing like he's he's a mercenary at this point of time so for this season i think you can kind of expect that david warner and steven smith are going to tune themselves out even for the games that they play in ipl so that's bad for both rajasthan royals and hyderabad but the good thing about hyderabad is they have multiple covers so but i don't think that rajasthan royals have that so their teams has jos butler ben stokes okay two of their biggest uh, stars are two of uh, england's biggest stars which means they are not going to be playing for the whole tournament and even when they play they are not going to be there their mind is not going to be there they're not going to stretch themselves they're not going to go for the dives they're not going to do anything which has a minimum any any risk of injuring themselves or overextending themselves they're not just going to do it and the team knows it and when you know as a player that somebody is not kind of dialing it in you also lose your motivation so the problem with rajasthan royals is they're going to have i believe they're going to have trouble this time fairly big trouble because of this i don't know why they got back jaydev unatkat even that but you know he took a pay cut he came back i don't think that their fast bowling lineup with jaydev unatkat dhawal kunkarni varun aran doesn't look convincing uh, especially if the tournament goes to south africa even if the tournament goes to uh, dubai where the pitches are even slower you just have to be much more skilled and um, they have ocean thomas but ocean thomas is is very erratic and one thing about ocean thomas is he bowls a lot of no balls i was watching some of the highlights of the bangladesh west indies games and this dude bowls a lot of no balls man he bowls no balls foot no balls he bowls short height no balls so that's another big problem that they'll have with with, with ocean thomas moving to your favorite team bangalore is your favorite team is not bangalore or is it hyderabad hey, hyderabad of course hyderabad okay so bangalore again i like this team i i i like the team that that uh, bangalore has put up the problem with bangalore is that they don't have openers so i think they'll get uh, parthiv patel to open but they don't really have any specialist openers i mean they spend a lot of money on shivam dube who is the next it guy apparently according to nivaska he like bats like yuvraj singh but again as i said i'm i'm very very skeptical about you know throwing 5 crores 6 crores at people who somebody has observed playing and th- you know he's hit 5 sixes in some game and that's it he gets 5 crores based on that this guy has not been tested at, at the ranji level for a consistent period of time you don't know how he takes pressure you don't know what will happen to him if the uh, opposition goes up and not you have no idea i think just spending like 5 crores 6 crores on people like this is just too much and also there's a huge amount of pressure on these people to perform bangalore's kind of like really isn't it i mean it's I mean, consistently been a excellent team on paper i mean it's, again it's not been batting a, wise 
Like the fact is, look at what they did to Sarfraz Khan, right? Sarfraz Khan at some point of time was being considered. I mean, we saw him play in a few innings. He was he was very good. He was very cheeky. He could like hit all around the park, but he had a fitness problem. He was he was grossly overweight, and <clears throat> somehow he lost the confidence of the captain. I mean, Virat Kohli is all about the yo-yo guy, and he has uh, this this guy, and they they retained him. If you remember. Which is paying, I don't know, God knows how many crores to retain uh, Sarfraz, and now they let him go, and he was brought bought for by twenty five lakhs or something by Punjab. So his career is finished effectively. So we have all we have IPL has done a lot of good, but it has also chewed up and thrown out as pulp many of these other these sensational one season successes. And I'm just worried about Shivam Dubey in this because this is not people like Shivam Dubey. I would be better served in a team which has somebody like uh, Dhoni. Or which is somebody with a lot of senior people, maybe it would work. Maybe he would, they would calm him down. But in a team like Bangalore, where the captain Virat Kohli is always threatening to like self-immolate at any point of time, um, it's not a team which is which is very conducive, I believe, for you know, see what happened to Washington Sundar. So Washington Sundar, when he was playing for Pune under Dhoni, was a different player. The moment he played, and in Bangalore, he was a different player. It's so much matters as to the mentors and the captain that you have. So Washington Sundar had a terrible season last time. It's not a coincidence because he was playing under Virat Kohli. Virat Kohli is not a person who actually, um, and that's one of his problems. I think one of the greatest things about Saurav Ganguly was not so much as a captain and a strategist, but the way he created players. I think every person who's ever played under Saurav Ganguly, all of them say it, that he basically built them up as human beings, as individuals, as players. It's not the technique. But so that they can survive at the highest level, the mental skills that are needed, the political skills that are needed, he built them up. And I think if if there's any problem that, and I'm coming back to Kohli, is that Kohli is so self-absorbed in his own achievement and in his own personal battles that I don't think that he gives particular lot of attention into building people up, into building up the next generation. And he's reached a stage where it's expected that he does that. In the way that Dhoni does, in a way Dhoni did for some people, I don't think Dhoni was as effective as Saurav Ganguly in that respect. Saurav Ganguly was immensely impactful in terms of creating a new generation of players. Very few people have been. Again, the same criticism could be made of Sachin Tendulkar, also extremely self-absorbed guy who was a terrible captain precisely because of that reason. Because despite the, you, you never made an attempt to dilute his standards for other people. He did not explain it at their level. He thought everybody was Sachin Tendulkar if they weren't. And he was not going to extend himself to make that effort. Uh, he was just absorbed in himself. So I think he has that problem. That's the reason why I think Royal Challengers struggles. I think they struggle despite having a very good team. It's because I don't think Virat Kohli is a particularly good. He's a good T20 player when he has a lot of mature people with him who know how to handle things. But when you're in an IPL setup, when you have people of different maturities, he struggles. I think. He's helped by the fact that he has AB de Villiers, who I think has more of more of captaincy in him. I wish that rather than Kohli being the captain, AB de Villiers would be the captain. I think he would be a much better captain for Bangalore. Let Kohli bat and let de Villiers kind of be the captain, but they're never going to do it. Again, they have these players like Shimran Hetmeyer. How is Shimran Hetmeyer going to do in the setup? We have no idea. Looks a good team. How effective they'll be, I'm not too sure. Which brings us to Hyderabad, which I believe is just the last team on this thing, and it just looks amazing. <laughs> Hyderabad is just—I'm scared for. Uh, Why are you scared though? for Hyderabad? I mean, I, David Warner is iffy. I'll, 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 
I'll, I'll accept that. Look at it. Most of the people which uh, the superstars of the team, I'm not sure uh, uh, whether they'll be available throughout the tournament. Uh, Kane Williamson. Uh, then, of course, we have uh, Rashid Khan because even Afghanistan is playing the World Cup. So, so hold on. Kane Williamson, New Zealand, is they're going to be available. So, Kane Williamson is going to be available. So, David Warner is not going to be available, but Kane Williamson is more than more than enough to take over. Okay. Last, Rashid, last year, of course, we had only Kane. Uh, what about uh, Rashid Khan? I mean, would Af- Afghanistan... He'll, he'll, he'll play. Rashid Khan is, of course, going to... See, Afghanistan board has no control over their players. I mean, it's not a... You know, they basically don't pay their players. Uh, their players play everywhere and then they appear for their team. So, Rashid Khan is going to play. The problem is Bhuvaneshwar Kumar might not be allowed to play. Might not. I'm not sure. But you guys have more than enough players to back him up. So the fact with the fact with Hyderabad is they have two teams. They have two teams that they can field. It's one of the very few teams which have two distinct teams that they can play for every game. Not not many people have that luxury. Like Calcutta absolutely doesn't have the luxury. Another big advantage that you have is Shakibul Hassan is in the form of his life now. Yes, I mean, he was injured. he was in he was injured a little bit. So the last few years he wasn't there. But in a game in West Indies, he took five wickets and he like scored like fifty runs of twenty balls. And then he came and took five wickets. And Rashid Khan. So both Rashid Khan and Shakibul Hassan are, are really in top form at this point of time. Now you got Abhishek Sharma, Vijay Shankar. These were very good. Uh, they were very good in Delhi last time. So you have these two people. Um, now again, I when they, they, they were exchanged for uh, what? Uh, these are the we had exchanged four guys for uh, yeah Gabbar. These guys were the guys who you got in exchange of Gabbar, yes. And they're they're decent people again. These people are not part of India's one day plans, um, and they're good bits and pieces player. And you have again you have Deepakuda. Deepakuda also has had a fairly good Ranji season. Yusuf Patan is a hit or miss, but he'll be playing. I'm pretty sure. You have Mohammad Nabi. He's a very good backup. He's playing in BBL. He's doing very well in BBL. Um, so I, I I just feel that there is all round, there's nobody here who I would point out and say, okay, that guy is a weak point. The only one point I would would be Manish Pandey. Manish Pandey is the iffy guy there in, in this. Because of the way he's been last year. If Manish Pandey even plays like to about like 60% of how he played at when he was the best, it'll be very difficult to beat Hyderabad, even this time. I hope you're right. I hope it's a good time in the Opal Stadium. Okay. All right. So we've had a, it's been a it's been a big episode. So we should terminate. We were on seventy eight minutes. Wow. So uh, yeah. thanks. So there's lots of stuff to discuss. So thank you everyone for listening. Um, next episode we're going to have our birthday, my birthday episode. So all of you guys send in questions if you haven't sent in questions already. As I said on Twitter, I would be answering all questions. The only two kind of questions I won't be answering are. Uh, specific size measurements of my body parts and second are passwords of different accounts those are the only two questions which are which are uh, out of scope but all questions are in scope please do, do feel free to ask uh, the hashtag is ask or not the reason why i'm ask, asking you to put the hashtag is so that we can search for it that's the only reason so please use that hashtag Absolutely. yeah and like i said you can also email appodcast at talkingstuff.net even with the answer to what song. And uh, uh, also, you can, many of the talk, I believe these are from the other podcast, but uh, we are also getting questions on our WhatsApp number. So that's 9652578833. So you can feel free to send us WhatsApp messages as well, uh, or even voice messages on WhatsApp. 
So uh, yeah, uh, we'll uh, see you next week. Okay. Thanks. Thanks everyone. Thanks.